0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. This is green and gold history. history. 50 plus years of stories, championships, and colorful characters. This is Ace baseball. This is green and gold history. All right. Green and gold history. We were talking about this, A's players that turned into very good broadcasters. And obviously, we just lost somebody who I know meant so much to you, me, Cody, and Ray Fossey. But when you think of all of the different players that end up being broadcasters for the A's, we'll start with your honorable mention.
1: Yeah, there've been a lot of them, and I've been fortunate enough to work with most of these guys in the last thirty Correct. years that I've been. Yeah. So, you know, and I, I feel privileged by that because you know, guys I grew up watching or watch play, and then now to see him broadcast and be part of the A's family. There, we've had a lot of great ones, and, and some guys who didn't even make my list who are are working still in the big leagues now is Mike Blowers, who's been a part of the Mariners broadcasting team uh, since the two thousands. Chris Singleton who does ESPN radio. You hear him with Roxy Bernstein a lot. Uh, I remember when he was with the A's in 2003 and he talked about wanting to become a broadcaster and he actually came up into the TV booth and he taped an open with Greg Papa, just uh, kind of like practicing uh, to get some something on tape. He actually did it in full uniform, which was kind of fun, but uh, he had a big interest in it. I thought he, he does a really good job. Um, Mike Bordick was a very good broadcaster for the Orioles until they cleaned house. Um, a couple guys who I think would still be great broadcasters, uh, one still playing, and that's Stephen Vogt. His career is in broadcasting. There's no doubt. We saw him in, during the playoffs a couple of years ago with Turner, and they used him, and he was terrific. Uh, no doubt with his personality, he's going to be a great broadcaster. And one guy I, I really wish would come back and be a broadcaster, and that's Terry Steinbach. The few times that he's come in and sit in the booth, whether it be a guest, or just doing an interview, Terry Steinbach is fantastic. Great personality, a great talker. I, I just wish that he would just say, you know what, I'm, I'm done coaching. I'm going to become a baseball broadcaster. He'd be terrific.
0: What is that like for you as somebody who, as a kid, grew up an A's fan, then you get into our business, and you're around these guys, and you get to experience that what has that been like for you in your career?
1: It's been pretty special. It's truthful. I mean, I feel extremely lucky that here's a, a sport that I love and a team that I love, and I've been able to travel with them and, with them and go to all their games and work on their games, I and mean, that's just special enough. And then to get a chance to know some of these players personally um, and in a way even help them in their next career, Right, being able to give them some advice and they actually listen to it. Like, this guy's listening to me. It's amazing. And sometimes it's a little out of body experience thinking that it's happening because I have such respect, obviously, for baseball players. Right. I know how hard it is and to be a major league player, but I also know how hard it is to be a good broadcaster. And I love broadcasters. And I have, you know, you have this double mutual respect for these guys who are great players and they can become great broadcasters. I'm just in awe of that.
0: Yeah, definitely not easy to do. All right, number 10.
1: Number 10, he was only short time A for only nine games
0: in that 03 season. But
1: you know what? He's made himself into a tremendous broadcaster. He's a friend of this program. That's Steve Sparks, who's been doing color yeah. with the, the Houston Astros for a long time. And, you know, Sparks, again, his age career, only nine games. But game four of the 2003 ALDS, Tim Hudson leaves after an inning. Steve Sparks comes in and gives four innings of relief, only giving up a two run homer to Johnny Damon left with a four, two lead had a chance to be the winning pitcher in an A's clincher there. And didn't go that way, but, but Sparks, you listen to him on the Astros broadcast and there's just this natural enthusiasm, right? He's not faking it. There's just natural enthusiasm calling the game. He's not a, he's not a polished broadcaster, but you want to listen to him because he's having so much fun doing the games. I, I, I think it's a real fun listen if you listen to Astros radio.
0: And he's real. I think that's the one thing that, you know, you know, all the times we've have, we've have gotten the opportunity to have him on the program and have him on the field is he's real. What you what you see is what you get. And you know what? He loves the Coliseum. He loves A's fans. He loves coming back here.
1: Yeah, it's real. I mean, again, you you have this person with such enthusiasm for the game and it shows in all ways. And he is real. He's not afraid to to show that how much he appreciates what's going on and then he gets to call baseball games.
0: Number nine.
1: Number nine, probably not doing enough major league baseball for my taste. My experience came doing a lot of college baseball, but fans know him from the MLB network because he did a lot of studio stuff. But as a game analyst, he was terrific, and that's Eric Burns. And, you know, doing college baseball with Burnsy was so much fun. He really was the Bill Walton of college baseball because you never knew what he was going to say. It would be a stream of consciousness. He would just go off on things, but he had so much fun and he did the work. Man, he knew who the players were on these college baseball teams. He talked to them and he was just a joy to have around. And we actually. We got to the point where we needed to put a camera in the broadcast booth so we could watch Eric during the games because he was so animated. And he would give little clinics. He would get up, and he he knew how to work the medium. He knew how to talk to players. He, He gave the nickname to Andrew Vaughn when he was a cow, now obviously a White Sox, as a unicorn because he saw what Andrew Vaughn could do at the plate. It's like, that's not possible. How disciplined he was at college that he'd be spitting on pitches This plate discipline and Burns, he saw it right away that he was going to be a major leaguer. There was no doubt in Burns' mind because of his plate discipline. He was just, I wish he would still do Major League Baseball more uh, because he's such a fun personality. I know he rubs some people the wrong way, but again, his enthusiasm is not fake. What you get from Eric Burns, that's Eric Burns.
0: You know, the question about someone like Eric Burns, and there's a lot of guys like him to this day, is. They made a lot of money. Do they want to do it full time?
1: Sure. Sure. And that that is a big thing, right? It's it's still a slog to do a Major League Baseball season, right? 162 games. And even if you're taking a few games off here and there, it is a long six-month commitment where you have to stay involved. And for Bernsey, yeah, it's probably not the perfect situation for him because he's got so much else going on. He's got his whole family thing happening, plus so many other interests. But just for a hit and miss, come into a game, come into a series, it's fun to have Burnsie around baseball.
0: Number eight.
1: Number eight, uh, a uh, person who left us too soon, and that was Dave Henderson. Hendu was a part of the Mariners broadcasting team in the late 90s to the early 2000s. And Hendu, obviously, we know about his personality. And it really did transfer to television and talking baseball. And Hendu was a different sort of cat where he didn't really do all the homework on the players and, you know, do studying and, and learning the stats and everything. He was more of, I'm going to react to what I see and I'm going to spend time just talking to these guys. And it's Hendu, though. He didn't need to learn all the things because you just wanted to hear what Hendu had to say. Because he was so charismatic in the booth and such a good guy. You just, you just hung on every word because you wanted to hear what Hendu had to say about this game.
0: And the thing, too, was he was such a legit player. Oh, superstar. So good. Yeah, sad. Number seven.
1: Number seven is our current TV color analyst, and that's Dallas Braden. And and why I think Dallas is so good is because he does have that big personality. All right? And he's not afraid to say anything, and he's having a lot of fun. But he really does put in the work, and he studies he gets into the stats and the, and the analytics of it all. He doesn't overthrow a broadcast with these things. It's just kind of always in the back of, the, of his head and he kind of uses it to flavor his commentary and kind of lead you something. And you know, Dallas had to learn how to be a, a TV analyst, right? And that's why I think what the As did with him, starting him off kind of down on the field as a third member of the team where he would just interject thoughts here and there. Uh, really helped him become a broadcaster and learn what's important and what's not, you know, and I remember interviewing Dallas when he's with the Sacramento river cats back in 08. And there you could see he already had this, this love of the game, but also this wanting to communicate his love for the game. And it just grew as, as his career went. And Dallas really does put in the work. And I, it's really, it's so nice to see somebody who just, he wants to get better and he wants, he's able to be coached, right? You can tell him things. He's an athlete and he wasn't that great a superstar that he's not going to listen to you. He's going to try and take every bit of information from different sources to become better at his craft. And Dallas is really putting in the time and I think it pays off.
0: You know, you make a good point. Like you can over prepare and it really doesn't do anything for you. You can under prepare, you can over prepare, but it really is. How do you present yourself to the audience especially as a color guy?
1: Right. You don't want to overwhelm them, overwhelm them with either stats or too much inside baseball stuff. You got to find the balance, right? To make yourself relatable to the average fan but also interesting enough to the person who does want to who really wants to go deep on baseball. Dallas does a good job balancing that.
0: So, are we at number 7?
1: Number six.
0: Number six.
1: Number six is uh, only spent one year with the A's, but he's a Hall of Famer, he spent a long time as a broadcaster. He left us in this last year, and that's Don Sutton. And, and Don Sutton is one of those few, right? Dwayne Kuyper's one of them, former players who turns himself into a play by play announcer. Uh, Don Sutton is very good at color, but he also was very good at play by play. And you don't see it that often. It is a rare thing. But Don Sutton was able to do that. And if you're ever to listen to him on Atlanta Braves broadcast or on the radio, just a good, really good broadcaster. And, and that's the thing. This is a Hall of Fame pitcher who turned himself into a possibly a Hall of Fame broadcaster. It's, it's unbelievable to witness.
0: Why do you think that is? All the guys that you've been around that, it is, it's one thing to be a color guy, but it's another thing to be able to be a play-by-play guy, which is a completely different animal.
1: It is. It's a completely different skill, and it's something that has to be honed and worked at. And that's why you, most of your big league announcers worked in the minor leagues for years and years, just like the players, crafting their art of being a play-by-play announcer. So it's much easier for a former player to – to sit in the analyst chair where you just have to comment on the game and what you see and you know you can learn then how to be more in depth but not a lot of guys go from that analyst to play by play and Don Sutton got that chance and he really worked at it and honed his skill some guys are naturals. some guys just fit in perfectly with it it's it's rare and I think that's why we are lucky in the Bay Area even if you're not a Giants fan that you can listen to Dwayne Kuiper when he calls play by play because he does a fabulous job at it it's an entertaining way of calling baseball and it's just rare to see former players do it
0: number five
1: number five is one of the best analysts going and that's ron darling and he does the mets games you also hear him on the turner games darling when he was with the A's, showed an interest in broadcasting and then after we retired we actually brought him back on some of our kicu broadcasts. Uh, also at the time i think it was fox sports bay area we used him on pregame but you could see even on the early games that we worked with him on KICU how good he was going to be. Because Ron Darling, he went to Yale. His intelligence is off the charts. He's a tremendous communicator. And it just all came together. I think he's really good on the air. I think he's not afraid to point out inaccuracies or things he sees as fallible on me, uh, what he's seeing on the field. I think he's really good at that. He's not a, He doesn't pull punches, but he does it in such a good way that it doesn't feel over the top. I think Ron Darling's a really special talent in the broadcast booth.
0: Yeah, I think there's no question about it. It's kind of like he's a natural, and uh, the thing that I like about him is that he's very honest, but it never comes across as like he's being a bad guy.
1: Yeah, he he, he does. not That's the way. He kind of has a way of saying things. He never feels like he's really ripping anybody, although he is pointing out that this wasn't as done as well as it could be right and he has a way of, of wording it and getting his point across without coming across as being just a jerk.
0: All righty next number four
1: number four Reginald Martinez Jackson <laughs> all right so I got I got plenty of personal stories for Reggie so when I first started doing stats with the A's was Reggie was doing the A's broadcast. This is '91 and '92, but but think about this: when Reggie was still a player, ABC was using him. They were using him on Wide World of Sports. They were using him on Battle of the Network Stars. There's Reggie doing the interview. There's Reggie interviewing Telly Savalas. Uh, that's how big a personality Reggie was, and what a good broadcaster and what a fun guy he he, he was. Um, you know, doing the A's games with him was was a, was at times challenging because Reggie was moody. Um, and sometimes he'd be in a good mood, sometimes he'd be in a bad mood, um, and when I first started doing games with Reggie, here I'm doing staff, I'm sitting behind him, he has no idea who I am, and he has no respect for me, because he doesn't know me. <laughs> and it took me pointing something out in his career that he did not know to gain his respect. We're doing a game one night, and Mike Heath is playing for the, I think the Tigers at the time, And I write a note to Greg Papa, and I said, you know, Reggie was teammates with Mike Keith. 1978, they were in the World Series together. Mike Keith even played in the World Series game with Reggie. So Papa brings this up on the air, and Reggie looks at him and goes, I was never a teammate with Mike Keith. I was never a teammate. I never played with Mike Keith. And Greg's looking at me. And I'm like, no, Reggie is definitely wrong. So at the time, we didn't have baseball reference or retro street where you just call it up on the computer. But I had the baseball encyclopedia with me. And I bring it out. I open the page to Mikey, 1978 New York Yankees World Series. And Reggie looks at me and he, he just kind of goes, damn, you were right. And from that moment on, I had Reggie's respect.
0: Pretty interesting when you think about doing broadcasting with someone like that who was as big of a star as he was at that time. I mean, Reggie Jackson was Reggie Jackson. That was a big deal. It was a
1: huge deal. I mean, think about him doing ABC Wide World Sports as a player. He was still an active player. Doing Battle of the Network Stars, primetime television, Reggie is one of the bright. It's Howard Cosell and Reggie Jackson. I mean, think about that. You know, It doesn't happen today where active players get that big of a stage now we see active players doing color like we saw adam wainwright join on one of the playoff crews and he was very good but it's still a rarity for that to happen but to be in prime time your number one show and believe me go on youtube and watch some of these battle of the network stars from the early 80s it's tremendous television and it's howard cosell and reggie jackson
0: number three
1: number three another one who's who's, who's passed us by and that's joe morgan And I know Joe Morgan as a broadcaster was very much a polarizing figure. He played one year with the A's in 84's last year as a a big leaguer. Joe Morgan did Sunday Night Baseball for a long time with John Miller. But he also did A's games uh, in the 90s. He did Giant games, uh, playoff games for ABC. Uh, You think about the 88 ALCS with A's and Red Sox. It was on ABC with Gary Bender, Reggie Jackson, and Joe Morgan were the announced teams. But Joe, he loved baseball. You couldn't take that away. Yeah, he wasn't into the news stuff, and he he didn't read Moneyball because he thought Billy Bean wrote it. He didn't believe in any of that stuff. (laughs) But Joe Morgan was really one of the first sabermetric players because when you broke him down as far as getting on base and stealing bases and hitting for average and hitting for power at a second base position, and he was a sabermetric darling as far as career. Even though he didn't believe in any of that stuff. But that's what he did. He played baseball in the right way, in his way. And then he talked about it on the air. Again, polarizing. He was sometimes a little too rigid in his beliefs, but he was still very entertaining if you got to know him. And the other thing about Joe Morgan, this is my favorite Joe Morgan thing. So he would always greet everybody the same way with a, uh, what's happening, what's happening. He'd see, you know, anybody in the hall he'd see, it'd be, what's happening, what's happening. Depending on how much he knew you was how much excitement you would get from the what's happening, what's happening. If he knew you, he would look at you and go, what's happening, what's happening? If he had no idea who you were, it would be what's happening, what's happening. That's how you knew where you were on the Joe Morgan scale.
0: Wow, what what a great player. One of the great players of all time. Number two.
1: Number two is one of my favorites, and that's Dennis Eckersley. And if you have a chance to listen to him doing Red Sox broadcast, it is a treat because he's doing all the X speak, X speak. He's talking salad and high cheese and got to get that iron, right? The man who coined walk off piece. Uh, you know, X started his broadcasting career with the A's back in 99. And it was probably a little too soon after he retired as a player because he still had those juices as a, as a player on the air. Uh, the A's had a game where they were playing the Royals. And Chad Kruder, the catcher, was playing for the Royals, and he was he was being a pain. And all Eck says on the air, well, maybe someone should give him a little neck music, right? Meaning someone should knock him down. <laughs> you can't say that on the air, Eck. That's, that's, that's yeah. but his juices were going. And even now, when Eckersley's on the air, it is it is just pure Eck. It's just him. He doesn't filter himself. He talks what he sees. Uh, and it's so refreshing. It's so entertaining because he's just a natural guy. Yeah. It's just, you, you can put him back in the motion in the moment. His emotions can get the best of him, but it's act. And he's so much fun to listen to.
0: And when you look at the amount of wins and the amount of saves, truly one of the greatest pitchers of all time.
1: Yeah, by far. I mean, his career was, you know, it set this template that hadn't been done before an all-star starter. To an all-star closer, um, we saw a little bit of it later with John Smoltz, but but what Dennis Eckersley did, uh, it's amazing. Turned his career around, turned his life around, and put himself in the Hall of Fame. Number one, there's no doubt. It's Ray Fosse, uh, the best former A to be a to be a broadcaster is Ray Fossey. and Ray was self-taught. And we talked about this before that, you know, he gets thrown in this booth with Bill King and Lon Simmons, and that's the best master's class in broadcasting you could ever have. And Ray, he ate it all up, and he paid attention to what they were doing, and he learned, and he became a broadcaster. And we talk about guys going from the analyst chair to play-by-play. Ray did that. He didn't do a lot of play-by-play, but when he did, it was good, right? You didn't feel like you were missing out on anything. Ray covered it because he listened to the greats, right? And then listening to Ken Korak and Greg Papa he learned how to be a good play-by-play guy. His analysts were always top-notch. And he, again, catchers, as we've talked about, they face the right way. So they see everything. And he had a way of explaining it. And being with the A's for as long as he was, and you knew where his heart lied, that really did help his broadcasting. He wasn't an over-the-top homer, but you knew he wanted the green and gold to win. And, and that, that itself is a skill, too, not going over the top, because Barry won't. We don't stand for homers here. It doesn't work. But Ray Fossey, he found that 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 line, and he knew how to make it work for him, and he was just such a good broadcaster.
0: All righty. Let's do your top 10 one more time.
1: Top 10 former A's who became broadcasters. And again, it's my opinion. It's broadcasters. Everyone has an opinion about them. It's an art. You're free to disagree. But number 10, Steve Sparks. Number nine, Eric Burns. Number eight, Hendu, Dave Henderson. Number seven, with a bullet, I might add, Dallas Braden. Number six, Don Sutton. Number five, Ron Darling. Number four, Mr. October, Reggie Jackson. Number three, Joe Morgan. Number two, the X, Dennis Eckersley. And number one, Ray Fossey.
0: Oh, just great stuff. All right, my friend, be well, be safe with you and the family, and we'll talk to you coming up here in December. All right, be well, Tony. The great David Feldman, our A's historian. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.